And today we have a guest speaker, Chris Wan. She's here with uh, Chung Ho, her husband, and her mom here. And so we're so excited for them. And before uh, we go through the book of Acts um, chapter 8, I will go ahead and read the scripture reading. So Acts 8, 1 through 8. Now Saul approved of putting Stephen to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and mourned loudly for him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and he would drag away men and women and put them in prison. Therefore, those who had been scattered went through places preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming the Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind to what was being said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed or limped on crutches were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good afternoon, everyone. Did you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving? Yes. 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 How many of you guys were in food coma this weekend? <laughs> yeah, many of us, right? Um, for us, for me, it was a special uh, weekend because we had our son flew in from D.C. and my mom from Arizona come to us. Uh, usually we get together for Christmas, but um, because Thanksgiving so close to Christmas that we you know, usually don't have everyone together. But this year, we just made it happen where everyone was able to come together. And it was so good to just sit around the table, you know, and just have that moment of thanking God together around the table. I don't know if you guys have that kind of tradition where, you know, wherever group that spaces that you guys been meeting. Um, you know, in our family on Thanksgiving Day, usually, and Christmas is as well, but uh, we take a moment to just reflect, what do we thank, what are we thankful for? right? And um, we share that going around while we're eating. And some of them are funny and some of them are serious. And, you know, and, and, and it's, it's really good to reflect because you realize, wow, there's so much to be thankful for. Well, in that tradition, and you guys by now, I mean, I've, I, this is my fourth time here um, since this September, but um, I like to be a, a bit interactive or have give time for you guys to be interactive. And so I'm going to give you a few minutes. And um, today's sermon is Proclaiming Christ, uh, the Mission of the Church. But what I would like to do is give you time to kind of talk to your neighbor or person that is close to you and share a few things. One, I want you to share about the goodness of God that you have ex experienced recently. And that, could, that can be in the way of comfort that you have felt, peace that you have felt, or it could be in the way of answered prayers, however that may have come, right, or a provision that you may have experienced. So I'm just going to give us a few minutes for you to share with one another the goodness of God that you have experienced recently. Okay, so just take time and I'll call you back in when, um, when it's time. Okay, let me bring us clo uh, together um, 
if you can just close up in your sharing. Um, it's always good to share, right? Because every time I give time to share, I always see people, there's so much to, to share about, right? Because there's so many good things that God has given to us. Let me share a little bit about my um, goodness of God. Uh, recently, my husband and I were in Kona, Hawaii to teach at YOM, and he was in a meeting, and I was teaching. And, you know, um, we have served in missions for 15 plus years, and when we finished that, we thought that we were completely done. Like, it was our decision to be done with God's mission as if it can be like that. And um, during this trip uh, in Kona, we realized that there was more that God was asking of us. There was more to God's plan that he had for us. And, and, um, and, and he did it in a way that stirred our hearts, hearts up. It wasn't like, oh no, again, not another round. Or, you know, it wasn't like that, but he fashioned it in such a way that made us excited once again to participate in what God has planned for us. And it's, you know, it's just bigger than what we ever even think about or thought about. Um, we thought our time was done, but God said, nope, get your gears up and get ready to go. And so um, we were just grateful that to know that God wasn't finished with us that God's not done with us yet. And so, um, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that we realize that when God continues to work in our lives, that there's, it always comes with anticipation and hope. That it always comes with this, um, this longing to see more of God in our lives. So um, I just um, am grateful that God and his goodness never ends. Amen? Well, let me uh, start with a prayer for us for today. Father, we thank you that we just, um, yeah, you deposit into us so many things along the way in our lives, how good you are, Lord, that your goodness abounds in our lives, that when we take time to reflect, when we take time to see what you have done in our lives and what you have done for our lives, Lord, um, our praises are not enough. And so we thank you for your active presence in our lives, your active participation in each of our lives, Lord. We thank you for that. We recognize and I pray that as I uh, preach the word, Lord, that you would use my mouth. You would use the words that I have to minister to your people and what is for them to hear that you will pierce it into their hearts. And whatever is not from you, Lord, or what is not is necessary, I pray that they will just fall to the side. May Holy Spirit be the center of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, like I said earlier, this is my fourth time in this um, place at, with you in this congregation. And um, from this, I guess, the beginning of the, the Acts series of this church, right? And so, um, when I was asked to come and participate in this rotation, uh, the framework was, what is the early church? And what are some some lessons we can learn from the New Testament church? And so, um, I want to sort of recapture the, the past three sermons that I have given you briefly and then move into today's. Right? In chapter two, we found out that the, the birth of the New Testament church was through the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Sp Holy Spirit is the driver of the church. 
right? And that, that marks the new era for the church, Holy Spirit. We cannot do church without the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter three, we saw how the, the purpose of the church and the mission of the church. And I shared how purpose of the church is to gather people together to become more like Jesus in that space, right? And, and then the mission of the church is to scatter, to go around, to share what we have learned as, as we try to become like Jesus in our gathering spaces, then we would take that and scatter and go uh, to, uh, to, our, to our workplaces, to the world, to wherever we are and, and share that. And then last time I was here, I spoke on um, what it means to, what marks the, the New Testament church, as we saw an example from, a poor example from Ananias and Sapphira, right? The mark of the church was this outrageous, spontaneous generosity. The mark of a New Testament church is, the, is this, this outlandish just generosity to one another because that was an example that was set by our Jesus who gave himself so generously, who gave himself so, so outrageously to us through his life. And that is the mark of the New Testament church. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the... It's the generous giving of ourselves to one another, to God, and this gathering and scattering that we do, sort of like, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a movement that we gather together, but then we go from this place to scatter. And so today, we're gonna be looking at, we looked at chapter eight of Acts, and we will be talking about what the church, what the message of the church is as we scatter. And that all of us, every single one of us here, has a role in that message, in that carrying of that message. Now, in our passage, we saw how Stephen was martyred, right? And Saul was an active participant in this process. And seeing that Stephen was so adamant and so committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, Saul was alarmed. And he said, okay, I gotta put a stop to this movement, right? And so he started persecuting the church. He, the scripture tells us he went from house to house, taking people into prison. And because of that, other believers fled and to the nearby regions, to Samaria. A lot of people went into Samaria. But they went preaching the gospel. Now, I want to say that the, the heart of God has never been about growing one church. The heart of God was never to grow a huge church in Jerusalem. It wasn't to create a mega church, but the heart of God was always to, to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to, throughout the world. That was always the heart of God, and that is still the heart of God. The heart of God isn't to, to build big, nice churches and grandiose buildings and just for people to come and go, but no, it is to spread the message that he has for the world, a way to turn to God through Jesus Christ. Saul's strategy was to persecute, right? He wanted to stop the movement 
but God used that opportunity to propel his movement. God propelled his movement even though Saul tried so hard to stop it. Saul's fervency resulted in persecution, right, and violence, yet people's passion would not die because of it. Saul's fervency resulted in many people's death, but God's message would not die. Although the movement over one man named Jesus Christ was created, but no one person would stop this movement. Now, why was that? Why was that that this movement could not be stopped? And I just want to say and declare that it was because it's God's movement. It's God's heart. And because it's God's heart, no one can temper with it. Let's remember what led the believers to come to this place, to where we are in this passage today. That they have seen, these disciples have seen Jesus alive. They lived with him, walked with him for three and a half years, right? And they saw the death of Jesus Christ, and they saw the resurrection and ascension. They experienced God in their midst. But it was the Holy Spirit, when they all experienced the Holy Spirit in their midst, all the people who, not only those believers who had walked and talked with Jesus in person, but everyone who came after that, they experienced the Holy Spirit and the church grew day by day. Again, God was not interested in building one church. Now, I wanted to I want to offer two intriguing things that I picked up in this passage today. For me, the, the context of this passage, how the expansion happened, seemed very interesting. And then the people who participated in this expansion also is interesting. Now, the expansion seems like it wasn't a strategy. Right? Persecution came, people fled, and, and so, you know, it, it looks like it was like a happen chance, or it was just an afterthought. But as I said earlier, God uses every chance he has. He never wastes any opportunities. Even though it seemed like a, a dangerous situation, yet, God's mission was never in danger. Although the people were in great peril, God would have his message spoken through the world. Second observation is that it was the people who participated. It was the everyday Joe who participated in the mission of God in the spreading of the gospel. I don't know if you remember in chapter two when the Holy Spirit came and, and people who had actually came to Jerusalem from all over the world saw what was happening, right? And they came to this upper room and they were filled by the Holy Spirit. Now eventually these people would have returned home to wherever they came from. And they would have been the first people who have shared with their countrymen what they have experienced and seen. Right? So the gospel was already at work. 
We think the gospel is, you know, waiting for us. But gospel, God's work, God's heart is already at work. It is our um, privilege, actually, whether we decide to participate participate in it or not. It's, it's, a, it's a privileged choice that we have, that we can choose to say, yes, God is already at work, I'm going to participate in it. So it was already at work. But in our passage, we see again, as the persecution came, people were fleeing. And this was a cause for the expansion. Because people did not go. These people who were refugees, these people who were fleeing persecution, what kind of message could they have taken? What kind of message could they have taken proclaiming Jesus Christ so that people would actually listen to these people? Would you hear and would you stop to listen to people who are, are, are refugees that are coming from other countries, that they have a story to tell, that they have a message of hope? This kind of an ironic picture, isn't it? that people who are, are fleeing persecution actually has a message of hope. But these people did. These people had the message of hope in them. Even though they were fleeing persecution, they were still boldly going out proclaiming Christ. So what was it about Christ that people were willing to die for? What was it about Christ that Stephen was stoned to death. What was it about Peter and John that they were willing to be flogged? Later in life, Peter was hung upside down and was crucified. Later in life, John lived in exile for the rest of his life. What was it about Christ that was worth those kind of acts? What was the message that the people carried that was worth listening to? And I believe that it was the message that they were so convicted of. And this message is just so simple, yet so profound. And that is, Jesus is God. God Emmanuel. God with us. It's a message that we all know, and we take it so, uh, so easily and, and, and for granted. Yes, of course. You know, God came to earth in a baby form, and, you know, we are now entering into Advent season, so that message is like, you know, all over us, right? That Jesus would come, God would come in a form of a baby, in a human form for us. But that act was a, a humongous act. It was a, an outrageous act, if you think, and think for a moment. Because he is a God, an eternal God, a powerful God. God created the heaven and earth, and he stopped and said, I am going to lower myself like a slave in a human form because I love the people that I have created so much. Even while they are yet sinners, even while they yet do not recognize me as their God, I am still coming to make a way so that they will have the opportunity to choose me as God. 
That message, that simple message, was a message that was worth dying for. That simple message was worth giving their lives for. So what is the message of God worth to you? What is the message of God worth to me? Now, I believe that that they came and they were able to have this kind of conviction, this kind of, 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 of boldness, because they have seen and heard and, and experienced God in a true personal way. Of course, some of them have experienced God, uh, Jesus, in a person, you know, in reality, he, they talked with him, they touched him, and they, were, they saw his miracles, they did all these things with Jesus, so it would have been maybe easier for them. But we know that a lot of other believers came after that did not have firsthand experience, but yet they were still willing to die for this cause. And we, hear, we see in 1 John 1, where it says that, um, that John says, I proclaim Jesus that I have seen, heard, and touched. And that is the tradition in our faith, that when we proclaim Jesus, it's not just this like theological, you know, technical ways that we have to present the gospel. Like, I, like you know, when I was growing up, that was like the sort of the message, like you gotta get your gospel just right so that you know how to give a message to a, a stranger. Like you know how to like, uh, you know, bring people to salvation, you gotta get them to say yes, right? So there's a lot of pressure for me to get it right, to be able to, to give a message. I want to say that it doesn't have to be that technical because John tells us in 1 John that he proclaims who he has met, who has, he has seen, who he has experienced. And because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, we too can experience God. We too can see God. We too can hear God. We too can have this loving relationship with God. And when we do, we can testify to that to other people. That becomes the gospel for others. This is the act of God in my life today. God is still at work in me today. That is good news to other people. We don't have to complicate, it, complicate things, right? The message of Jesus Christ is God with us. How is God with us today? How is God with you today? How has he shown up in your life today? That's the message that we get to share with others. It's simple. It's not hard. Now, I grew, um, I grew up in a Christian family, and I experienced the Holy Spirit when I was in, in, in my childhood, early childhood. And then, even then, you know, during high school years, you go to youth retreats, and and then and in the moment, I remember dedicating my life to God again, and and going up for you know altar call, and and you know doing the whole salvation thing again um, in my in my youth. But it wasn't until I was in college that I went to a short-term missions to Kenya, and we had groups of people that had converged to this one place to do an outreach. 
And as we were doing a corporate prayer to get ready for this outreach, this man came up to me and just prayed a very simple prayer. He said, God loves you like a father. It was a simple prayer, simple words, but those words penetrated deeply into my fatherless heart. And it shattered the sense of abandonment that I carried all along up to that point. And it was that time when I experienced the love of God in such overwhelming sense, indescribable way, that I realized, oh, it wasn't just a ticket to heaven that I was believing for. It wasn't just a way into eternal salvation that I was believing in God for. It was for this kind of relationship, this kind of encounter, this kind of love that God was inviting me to have with him. I think we often think that salvation is just this nebulous thing in, in, out there or that we just believe and that, you know, it, we just go to heaven and, and then in between time we just live this life. I mean, this time and we just endure in this space, we just make things happen. But no, I want to say that the purpose that, that God came in the form of human being in Jesus Christ was so that each one of us individually have an encounter with God have an encounter with God where he sees you, where he hears you, where he wants to experience you and encounter you, where you feel the presence of God in your life, that we would walk away from that moment ever been changed. That we are so deeply loved and that we are so rooted in that love. That is the purpose that is the reason why Jesus came, to make a way for us to be connected to the Father, to God. Jesus came so that, that once that was broken could be mended and that we would have a direct, direct access to this loving Father, that we would have this relationship. And so God created this story, not just when Jesus came, but it, was, it started way in the back. I think Pastor Sam last week, I just listened to him this morning real quickly uh, just to make sure that I won't say anything to you know, go against what he said, but it was that story that began long time ago that we are still a part of. And that story was created a long time ago and God continues to build that story in us and through us. God's goodness in our lives is a way for us to testify to God's goodness. To, these are the words that we can bring to the nations, to the nations that are in LA and to the nations that are out there. John was, uh, a disciple John was very convinced of what he believed. He said in John, in not first John, but in John 1, he said the word was in the beginning and the word was with God and the word was God. 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among them. That was his conviction. And that was the conviction of everyone that believed in Jesus Christ. That they believed that God would take a human form because he cares so much about us. That he would come and show us and give us an example, a live example of what it means to walk on this life, to know how to live this life victoriously connected to God. That it was possible that we don't have to live as orphans. It is possible that we don't have to fight this life alone, but that God is with us, God, Emmanuel. And we are all partakers of that. Just as we see in our passage, it was the everyday Joe who took the message, who took the gospel and, and went into Jerusalem, uh, went outside of Jerusalem. It was the 12 apostles who stayed in Jerusalem, but it was everyone else who took the message out. It was everyday people like you and I who took the message. You don't have to have fancy titles. You don't have to have you know, a special gift or special skill set to be able to share God with other people. We have that responsibility. Now when I talk about evangelism and mission, there are two usually two answers that I get. One is not now, and one is not me. Not now, like not now because I have little children. Not now because I have aging parents. Not now because of my finances. And so not now is like usually the answers that people give us. I don't know why they, have to, they feel like they have to give us an answer, but that's what people do when they see missionaries. Oh, not now, right? Or they say, oh, not me. I'm not called. I'm not gifted. That's not me. You know, we're, we're called to be supporters. We're not to be the ones to go. But I don't know if you remember what Pastor Jeff said a couple weeks, or I don't know when he was here last time, but he said when he was last, was that we are all called to be witnesses. And that word witnesses in the Greek origin is called martyrs. We're all called to be martyrs. That original word was to, was to say it's a witness. A witness of Christ was a martyr. So can you all say it with me? I am a martyr. Come on. I'm a martyr. We're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be martyrs. We're all called to be a witness. And just as I've sh I had you guys all share with one another in the beginning, the goodness of God in your life, that's a very good and easy place to start in sharing the, the gospel of Jesus with other people. Just as you did with one another. That's what you do when you go into your workspaces. That's what you do with your neighbors. This is what you do in the context that God has put you. How has God shown up for you? Where is God working in your life? And as you share that, you're sharing Christ. You're proclaiming Christ wherever you go. But I also would be dismiss, uh, remiss if I didn't talk about world missions for a few seconds. I want to tell you that there are statistics, and the statistics may be old because of the, the population has changed so much, but apparently there are, um, when this statistics came out, there, were, there are 2.3 billion Christians out of 7. Point, let me see, 7.9 billion people. Now we, I think we're over like 8, 8 billion. 
Okay? So 2.3 billion out of 7.9 are Christians or proclaimed Christians. So they could be, you know, um, people who just profess to be Christians. Out of uh, 2.3 billion, 430,000 are missionaries. That's a very small scale, isn't it? And out of 430 missionaries, 3% of those missionaries actually work in the unreached areas of the world. That's even smaller. And there are 3.3 billion who are completely unreached, which means that they do not have the Bible, they have no churches, and they have no believers near them. 3.3 billion. And out of those 3.3 billion people, there are many groups of people who do not even have uh, written language for their, for, their, for their language. They don't have written script. They don't have their own alphabet. Which means that it will cause us to think innovatively on how we can reach them and how we can disciple them. How can we reach these people who are unreached, first of all, and how do we reach people who do not have script? So my husband and I will be in, in, in our, are in this project of, of how to reach these people. And hopefully in the days to come, we'll be able to share more and more about that. But I want to say this, THMC. I know that you guys are a small church. You guys are without a pastor. You guys have been doing the best you can to come together. But I believe, even yet, that there are people that are to come from this church for long-term missions. It only takes a yes. It only takes a yes from us to God because God is the one who does the work. We just get to go for the ride. Okay, so my prayer for you, THMC, is that not only you do the local missions well, but you also do the global missions well, that you would be the ones to go into that 3.3 billion people of the unreached people and take the gospel to them, to share how good God is in our lives and for this world. Amen? Amen. So I want to, in conclusion... Time always goes faster than I, I anticipate. But in conclusion, I want to uh, share this, or put this question out to you. This is uh, something that I've heard long time ago, growing up, and um, when, whenever missionaries came, they always said, There's, there are two choices. One, we are a mission field, or we're a missionary. There are two choices. You can either be a mission field, which means that you don't know Jesus Christ, and that's okay, because you now have the opportunity to choose that Jesus, that Jesus who made his way from heaven to earth to make a way for us to be close to God, to experience the love of the Father. That Jesus who would die for us to offer us hope and peace that overcomes any kind of difficult challenges that we face on this earth. Just like those people who were fleeing from their persecution, that would not stop them from spreading the hope that they carried. Jesus Christ is the only one who can give us that hope. Jesus Christ is the only one who can give us that kind of peace 
in any difficult circumstances. So if you don't know Jesus Christ, today may be the day that you accept Jesus Christ. And if you're not in the mission field department, then we're all missionaries. We all have a responsibility. We all have a story to tell how good God is. We all have the right to say this is how good God is, and I will testify it, and nothing's going to stop me. Okay? So let's take a moment as we close. What, would, what is it that you need from the Lord? How valuable is the gospel to you? How valuable is the gospel to you? Have you experienced the love of God in such a way that compels you to share his love to others? So, Father, we come before you and we thank you that you don't wait for the big people to do your work, but you use everyday people like us. That you use the, the nobodies like me. Lord, Father, God, that you would choose me and my husband, our household, to do your work. And that you give us, each of us, each one of us, a story to tell. And I thank you for that. I thank you that every brother and sister that is in this house right today has a story to tell. And that you're working in their lives and your fingerprints are are clear. So Father, give us the, the kind of convictions that our first century brothers and sisters had, that we would testify to your goodness, that we would be bold to share your gospel to everyone that comes our way. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.